0: Today I uh, have the Harbor Life Group's brochure with me, and I have the Hay card. Let me talk about the Hay card first. Obviously, if you know if any of your information's changed, fill out the Hay card and let us know, and just put update on it. But if you're a first, second, t- third time guest, or if you're with us, hey, it's a brand new year. It's time that you've set brand new resolutions, and um, you said, "I'm going to do better for the Lord this year. I'm going to quit running from God." I'm going to start serving somewhere. I'm going to open my home. I'm going to do this or that. Well, here's the deal. Take the hay card, and at any time in the year, you can use this hay card and communicate to us what you want to do. Uh, if you are interested in serving, let me just highlight one department right now, that's Guest Central. Guest Central is a large team in the church. Uh, it might be the largest team. Somewhere around 50 or 60 people serve on Guest Central. We are always needing people to serve, uh, whether it be greeting, whether it be ushering, whether it be in the parking lot or serving coffee or juice or whatever, but I urge you to sign up and start somewhere. Uh, so if you'll just fill that out, we will be in touch with you. I promise you that. So uh, the hay card, that, that is awesome. And by the way, if you're first, second, third time guest, uh, one of our staff pastor's wives will be at both of the VIPs. Uh, centers there and pick up your first, second, or third time gift. Um, Also, the Harbor Life Group's uh, brochure. Uh, Man, this is an awesome layout right here. And I wish I could highlight every one of them, but I can't, so I'm just going to pick one. Some of you heard me talking a few weeks ago, and I mentioned if you were uh, atheist or agnostic or skeptical in any way whatsoever, and you say, yeah, I I ain't sure about all this Bible stuff, all this faith stuff. There's a, one on the bottom. It's called The Case for Christ, uh, Lee Strobel's book. Uh, I think Howard Marion Davis is uh, going to host that group, and uh, Brother Carl is going to lead that group called Renfro. And uh, I can't remember who's coordinating and all that, but nonetheless, I want to urge you to get signed up. That group is probably going to fill up fast. You can f- sign up at the kiosk or, uh, or online. But go through here, there is so many things, soul detox, the art of marriage, confronting Jezebel, the voice of God, uh, the best yes, um, killing kryptonite, uh, basic firearm safety for you rednecks. No, you ain't got to be a redneck, uh, but um, anyway, so that's, that's an incredible thing. I mean, we've done that course here a while back, people had never shot a gun and all this foolishness going on in the world, they said, well, I think we'll, I might need to learn how and get around some guys. Well, we got some guys that are certified firearms instructors. And, um, you know, so anyway, we can hook you up. Then there's, there, there's so many there. So get this brochure, take your time, look through it, sign up, just make a commitment. I'm going to serve or I'm going to be in a life group because that is one of our core values. We believe in doing life together. We fully believe in doing life together. I'll say this. If you call yourself a family and you never go home to your wife and you never go home to your children, you're not going to be a family too long. So you got to do some things together. you got to eat together. you got to be in the home together. you got to have some fun together and all those things. So we believe in all that. So take those things and, uh, and we're excited about it and excited what God has for the spring semester. Uh, last week we talked about the prayer of Hezekiah. Uh, uh, in the Power of Prayer series. Today we're going to talk about uh, the prayer of Jonah. And, and perhaps uh, I'm thinking about the prayer of Nehemiah for next week, but uh, I'm holding it up against David and whatever. So we're going to get to him. I just don't know what order. But I promise you'll want to be here. So let me talk with you today about our second installment. It comes out of Jonah chapter number 1 and Jonah chapter 2. is where I want to just sort of rest at this morning. And in Jonah chapter 1, you're going to find um, uh, a powerful, powerful story of a prophet of God that was very reluctant to do what God had called him to do. And then uh, the word of the Lord um, tells us in Jonah chapter 1. Do we have verse 1 there? There we go. Um, Well, I'm not sure if that's verse (laughs) 1. But anyway, let me tell you what happened there it is I think that's not anyway Jonah is the son of Amittai he is his name means dove Um, his father's name means faithful to Yahweh that is God so Jonah is a Hebrew prophet he's a great man of God he loves God and he's called to do something incredible he's called to the great city of Nineveh now Nineveh is on the bank of the Tigris River. It later became, after Jonah's day, the capital of the Assyrian Empire And um, at 705 B.C. The ruins are found there um, even today in the northern part of modern Iraq uh, near the city of Mosul, about 220 miles from Baghdad, if that kind of makes any sense to you from watching the news and whatever, seeing kind of what's out there. For Jonah to hear this, see, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And he says, go to that great city of Nineveh, the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I want to make a note of something as we hang out there for just a second. God's holiness has been offended by the sin of pagans. A long way from where Israel was. And everybody thought that this was just about God's people. But God says to to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. This great upcoming and this city that is booming and will one day become the capital of the Assyrian Empire. I want you to go and cry against it because they are wicked and it has come up before me. Now, I want you to understand for Jonah, this is a tough because it's about 500 miles. In fact, scholars say the way that Jonah would have had to take would be more like 600 miles. Now, 600 miles would be a pretty good trip in the jeep. Are y'all with me? 600. I mean, come on now. That's 600 miles, be a pretty pretty lengthy trip in the jeep, but let alone on a donkey, huh? It'd take a little while to get there, but so he's thinking about this, and God has told him to go, but he decided, like many of us, to do my own thing. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, you see. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, where is Tarshish? Well, they don't know exactly. But every scholar believes what the Bible said that it was in the direct opposite. In other words, if it was if he was supposed to go north, he went south. If he was supposed to go east, he went west. Well, east west. You with me? That, that's how he was. And so, in other words, he decided I'm going to be as far from where God really wants me. Now. I, there's something else I want you to make note of. We're not talking about some pagan hypocrite. We're not talking about some crazy guy. We're talking about somebody whose name meant dove, whose daddy's name meant faithful to Yahweh. We're not ta- So in other words, get it out of your head that we're talking about a worldling. We're talking about a church guy. So as we unveil this and unpack this this morning, this prayer of Jonah, and what, what are we going to get into this prayer? Well, we're going to find out the condition that he got himself into, and I would submit to you that many of us have gotten ourselves into bad circumstances because we went south when we were supposed to go north. God said east, and we said west. Huh? But, but So Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare thereof, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. Could you imagine the hypocrisy or the idiocy of that? To flee. You can try, but you can't outrun God. First of all, you're never going to outrun him, and if you could, when you get where you're going, he'll be where you're at. Amen. So now, I want you to understand something. Here's a little parallel, because The Bible said that the Lord told Jonah to get up and go toward Nineveh. And what did Jonah do? He went down toward Joppa. And he bought a ticket on a boat going that way, and he went down into the ship. Hello? And then he went down to the bottom and went to sleep. And you know how the story's going to go. He's going to go down into the sea. So when God said get up, he decided to get down. And that's what some of y'all done. I've done it. I preached my very first message entitled Running from the Call. And because that's what I had done for five years. God said go, and I said, uh-uh. And so, but but you know, I'm not talking about just the call to preach. Some of you got some callings for some other things. You just ain't done it yet. So eventually, you know, he finds himself in this bad, bad condition. Now, in in those days, worship was literally to fear God. And if you say that you worship God, that meant that you feared God, that you had revere and reverence for God. And that you would obviously, if you would fear God, then you would obey God. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's amazing to me, now Jonah finds himself, let's just read on, the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and such a violent storm arose that it threatened to break up all, uh, you know, it it threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid, and everyone cried to his own God. So let's just, just for the sake of argument, say, well, we might have had a Hindu there, we might have had a Buddhist there, we might have had a Muslim there, and then we got Jonah. And I'm, I, that, that's not scripture. I'm just saying everybody prayed to his own God. And here's Jonah running from God because he didn't want to preach to Nineveh, yet he finds himself preaching to the men on the boat. He don't even know it. He don't even realize it. But here he is sharing this gospel message with these men on the boat. Let me read on. The word of the Lord, you know, uh, had told him to go, so he goes and he finds himself in this boat and he's in this bad situation and they, you know, the storm come up and he's like, wait, uh, a, where's Jonah? Where's the guy that bought the ticket at the last minute to go with us? He's got a, I mean, we don't understand. So they, they went down and said, we found him asleep. Now I want to tell you something, that is indicative of his spiritual condition too. Not only was he physically asleep, he had gone to sleep spiritually. And he finds himself in this bad spot, and so they bring him up. And they said, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And you know what he said? He said, I'm a Hebrew, and I serve the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh. And this storm is upon you because I'm running from God. They thought they were going to die. Now, I will tell you something. He got to one of the greatest places that you'll ever get in your life is when you can admit and take responsibility for where you are. But we live in a world of blaming. I want to blame my daddy because I'm an alcoholic. I want to blame my mama because I'm promiscuous. I want to blame this one. I want to blame that one. I want to blame everybody except the man or woman in the mirror. And Jonah simply said to these guys, I am the reason that the storm is doing this. I'm the one that has put you in peril. And they said, well, what in the world are we going to be able to do? Well, first of all, they said, Who, Whose cause is this? So they cast lots. That's kind of like drawing straws. Well, the lot fell upon Jonah. And, and so tell us, you know, so he tells them all this stuff and he's, he says, I'm the reason, I'm the cause, I'm going to take responsibility. That's a rare thing these days, but he says, I'm going to take responsibility. I want you to, if you'll just hoist me up and throw me out into the sea, he said, it'll calm down for you. So what he did, he just owned. His situation, boy, that'd be a good next step, wouldn't it? Just sort of own where you are. And so they, they took him, and, and they decided, what's this. Now, here's Jonah. He goes. He's scared to go to Nineveh, but he ends up preaching on a, on a boat. And then he tells them he's the God of, he serves the God of the Hebrews, but he's running from him, and God's got mad at him. And but, So God reached out to get him. And now if they'll throw him overboard, everything will calm down. So what do they do? Before they throw him overboard, they decide to pray to Jonah's God. Sounds like, you know, revival to me. People getting saved. And they asked Jonah's God not to hold them guilty of Jonah's blood for throwing him overboard because Jonah said he's the cause. So they got him ready and they threw him overboard. And as soon as he hit the water, boom, it's like glass. I imagine they say, whoo, there's something to that Jonah's God, fella. Huh? Man, we've been praying all kind of times for this and that and the other. Ain't nothing worked out. But, man, that Jonah guy, whoever that Yahweh fellow is, he's the one. So now he's converted all these sailors. And, man, he's already done his first missionary step now. He's, you know, and but he finds himself in a bad, bad spot. The roots of the mountains, he said, I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But to you, Lord, my God. You're going to bring my life up from the pit. I want us to look at chapter 2. Chapter 2 is actually his prayer. So I've shown you now. I've shown you now why he is where he is and what he is doing. But Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, we find the prayer of him where he calls out to God and he says, In my distress. Let me just read verse 1. From the inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Now, here's what I got you You need to understand. Jonah wrote this after the fact, obviously, because he's able to say that I prayed and that God heard me. <laughs> you all with me? So it wasn't like he was journaling on his way. He wrote this without a doubt after he had gotten through his ordeal and his dilemma. So he found himself in a very, very very bad spot. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths. Did you get that? You God, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, and all of your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. So let me hold right there for a second. Just keep that scripture. What Jonah is saying is, that I found myself in a condition of my own making. And most of our conditions, most of them are of our own making. He said, I got here because of what I decided to do and what I didn't do. Instead of going to Nineveh, I went toward Joppa, I headed toward Tarshish, and I found myself in a bad situation. But he says, "Let let me say this. I've been thrown overboard I'm in the sea now, I can't fight this, I'm about to drown. This great fish comes and swallows him and now in this state that he is in, there's no way he can live. I don't know if he's having some sort of an out of body experience. I don't know if, if God is using symbolism, but here's Jonah, he's away from God. He's found himself and he says, This is it. My life is over. The earth with her bars is about me forever. Seaweed's about my head. I'm barred in. I'm cut off. And in that bad situation, here's what you need to know Jonah remembered the Lord. Jonah remembered the Lord. And even though he was in a bad spot and he got there, Because of his own, I got a letter right now on my desk that I got Friday. Uh, Man that's in jail. I've known him for years. I knew his family. And I got his letter. Pastor Sains, would you please pray for me? Due to my own choices, I am incarcerated, et cetera, et cetera. Let me just say this. No matter where you are, just like this gentleman, if you'll call out to God. You call out to God. You remember the Lord. If everything, you can't remember nothing else, remember the Lord. So Jonah said, I called on the Lord. Now, again, I want you to understand, we're not talking about some wild, wayward heathen we're talking about somebody that supposedly knew the Lord, knew the voice of God, and God spoke to him. It would, like, it would be like God speaking to one of our regular church you know, partners that's already doing work. You're already serving on a team. You're, you're doing this. And God says, I want you to go <clears throat> to another city and, and preach over there. I want you to go launch something over there. And you say, oh, man, I don't know about that. I'm headed to Miami. <laughs> Hello? That's kind of what it's like. <laughs> so, but Jonah remembered the Lord. Let me say this. Uh, there's a time when Jonah prayed, but prayer's not on his mind now. He's running. There was a time when Jonah was faithful, but not now. There was a time when Jonah was obedient, but not now. There was a time when he would do whatever God required of him, but rather than being obedient, he felt it was just easier to leave. Sometimes when God asks us to do hard things, we don't have a problem doing something easy. But when God asks us to do something difficult that requires extended faith, that requires great faith, we find it easier to run than to hang on. We find it easier just to go on. You see, remember, uh, hey, I'll tell you something. Sometimes God's got to get you down to the bottom. Well, he was at the, went down to Joppa, went down in the boat, went down in the sea. God's got him. How many of you remember a prodigal son? Jesus told a story about a guy who found himself down in the hog pen in a foreign country. And that's where he came to himself. When he remembered his father, when he said, oh man, it's one of them V8 moments. Here I starve to death, and my father has servants that make more money, that they eat good every night. They got something to put on. They got a place provided for them. They got all of that. And sometimes God's got to let you get down to the last. And I'm just saying this. If you're there, remember the Lord. So Remember the Lord. Remember what he has done. And then why is it important that you remember the Lord? Let me tell you this. Jonah was in such a situation that if he could remember somebody else, he could have remembered his pastor. He can't do him no good. He could have remembered a banker that had a lot of money. It couldn't do him no good where he was at. He had done sank too far for any other relationship to do him any good. Some of you are at that point where my best letter of recommendation ain't going to help you. Huh? The best money that we could gather up to bail you out this month ain't going to help you. The best person we could come to speak on your behalf is not going to help you. You got to have God. So in that situation, you don't remember me. You don't remember him or her. You got to remember God. So amen. Give him praise in this thing called life. Life. In this thing called life, we get so busy. Our memory, you know, uh, we push things so far back in our mind. We get so swept up in the moment that we oftentimes take God for granted, and we're all guilty at some level. We could all pray more, we could all study more, we could all be a better servant, there's no doubt about it. And if we're not so if we're not careful, if we're not mindful and cognizant of it, we will push everything back, just thinking everything will always be as it is, and we find ourselves in a situation where I can't help you, and your best connection cannot help you, and you gotta have God. So let me say this: remember the Lord, because others can't do it. And then so, so what is it that we need to do? Well, here, it's real simple. Just obey God the first time. Amen? My dad used to tell me, son, why did I have to whip you? Just go do what I said the first time. Huh? And that's the way God is. Why did he have to send a violent storm? Because Jonah just wouldn't do what God told him to do. Why did he have to? knock Saul of Tarsus off the horse on the Damascus Road? Why did he have to oftentimes just put us in a situation where we finally say, I can't do nothing else but? Huh? You're not gonna outrun him. So so let's continue looking at his prayer. Verse five. He says, The engulfing roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth Barred, beneath barred me in forever But you, Lord, my God Brought my life up From the pit Didn't I hear the psalmist talk about that? He brought me up out of a horrible pit You see um, God has brought me up And when my life was ebbing away You see verse 7 I remembered you Lord And my prayer Rose to you Let me say this Even though you've been acting a fool. Even though you know you were supposed to be in Nineveh and now you ran to Tarsus. Even though you know you were supposed to went north, but you went south. You were supposed to do this, but you did that. And because of what you did, you found yourself in a situation that I can't help you. Neighbor can't help you. Mama can't help you. Grandpa can't help you. Nobody's money can help you. You're in a bad situation and you got to have God. Don't forget him. Remember him. Look again to his holy temple. He said, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer. Here's the beauty of it. Here we got a God that says, I'll still heal your prayer, even though I've been sitting here waiting for the last year while you ran the Tarsus. I've been sitting here while you done your own thing. He says, but, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling, He says, Next verse 8, he said, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols, they turn away. But he said, but with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you. Watch this. What I have vowed, I will make good. Let me hold that for a second. How many of you ever got yourself on a ride at Bush Gardens or Six Flags or something and while it was going up the hill, clank, 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 you said, "Oh God, what did I do? Oh man!" And you start crying. I mean, it's too late. You can't get off. And tears start streaming down your face. Oh God, if you help me get off this thing, so help me, God, I won't never go another roller coaster all days so of my life. And I'll preach in the church, and I'll go to Sunday school, and I'll pay my tithe, and I'll bless the pastor at Christmas. And I, I mean, you just, man, you just start, son, you laying it out, right? And so Jonah says, I'll make good on the vow that I've made. You know what? In the belly of a fish, he's decided, Lord, if I ever get out of this fish, if you ever deliver me back on dry ground and my feet touch the ground, I can walk again. So help me. I'll head toward Nineveh. Why is it that God has to get us in these situations or we get ourselves there? He said, I will say of this, salvation comes from the Lord. And you know what, when he, you know he made this, or, or, or he told God this, and he said, Lord, if you'll just deliver me, I, I, I'll do thus and so. And here's verse 10, y'all ready? And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Woo! And he probably smelt pretty bad. It's his own fault. He probably had to go back out in the water, and I don't know if he might have been scared to go back out in the water. I don't know. But all I know is this: that we find him right now. He he you he to obey God the first time. He said, God, but if you'll give me a second chance, how many of y'all remember a guy by the name of the Apostle Peter? And he comes later, you know, a few hundred years, but he backslid. If you remember, he said, I'm going back a fishing after Jesus was crucified. Do you remember that? <clears throat> On the Galilean Sea there, the Sea of Galilee, the Lord spoke to him three years earlier that, and he says, Follow me. And Simon Peter left his fishing industry and James and John and all those guys, and they followed him, and, and, you know, they have done all this, and now he's crucified, he's dead. The last time Peter saw Jesus, he denied him. Uh, As prophesied before the rooster crows, uh, twice you will have denied me three times. And sure enough, when he denied him the last time, Jesus turned and looked, and he saw him, and Peter ran and wept bitterly. Jesus was crucified, he was put in the grave, after three days he rose, and he says to those who come, go tell my disciples, and Peter. He he specifically called him by name, why? Because Peter had said, I've disobeyed the Lord. I have failed, I put myself in this predicament. I had, he done gone back fishing. But you know what the Lord Jesus did? He went back where he knew he was. He went back to the same sea. And on the same Sea of Galilee, for the second time in Peter's life, he whispered to him, Follow me. Well, first he said, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do you really love me? So, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. He says one more time, Simon, do you really love me? And then he really got upset and said, Lord, I know all things. You know I love you. And some scholars say that he asked him three times there because he had denied him three times. I don't know if there's, but it makes sense to me. But he says to him, follow me. So the prayer of Jonah is all about a situation that he got himself into, a condition that he got himself into, And when it got so bad that man couldn't help him, mama couldn't help him, grandma, nobody could help him, the king couldn't help him, he remembered the Lord. He called on the Lord because only God could do it. And the real takeaway is this. What what I need you to do is just remember God the first time. Just obey him the first time. But if you're here today and you, like me and Jonah, didn't do it right the first time, I want to tell you that God is still right there if you will remember him and look again unto his holy hill. Call again unto him and he will answer. Let me say this. Why is it important to do that? Because he is your only hope. He's the only hope. Nobody else can do it. And I want you to notice the power of prayer. When when Jonah finally prayed and said, God, I'll do what you sent me to do. Let me ask you this. Don't you think God would also answer a prayer like this if he would pray? Well, God, give me the strength to preach to Nineveh. Give me the strength for the 600-mile journey. Give me the victory. Oh, I wish I had time to tell you part two of this. I just don't. He did eventually go on. But let me say this as you stand with me now. It is better to obey God in the storm than to disobey him in the ship. (laughs) Did you hear me? It is better to obey God in the storm than to disobey him in the ship. There are those who feel like because you're still in the ship and everything's cooling and God ain't got you into that place yet where you're in a spot where you've absolutely got to call out to him. Everybody thinks it's all right, but let me say this, storm's coming and it's better to obey him in the storm than to disobey him in the ship. Bow with me if you will. Let me ask you if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to pray that prayer like Jonah prayed. I'm in a position and perhaps largely because of my own fault. Rarely, rarely are we there because of somebody else's fault. But I'm in a spot right now that, man, if God don't do it, I'm in trouble. The earth with her bards is about me forever. I've sank down to the base of the mountains and the seaweed is wrapped about my head. And If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. That feels like where I'm at. Can I see your hand? How about you? God bless you. Two or three, two or three hands have gone up. Four, five, six. Feels like where I'm at. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I don't know, maybe 10 hands have gone up. The way to write that thing is to pray the prayer of Jonah. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Out of the fish's belly, I called upon the Lord, and he heard my cry. Now, you might not be able to say the fish's belly yet right now. But you might be able to say, for you, it might be, in my backslidden condition. For you, it might be in my drunken state. For you, it might be in in, in my terrible time, in my desperate moment. But wherever you are, can you just call upon the Lord? And if you wanna do that, as Adam sings a song right now, I want you to just find the courage, my friends. Find the courage to just step out of your seat and just walk to this altar. And just in your own words, you don't gotta pray it to me. You don't certainly have to use the exact words of Jonah, but you've heard what I said. Jonah was crying out of his distress and saying, Oh God, give me another chance. And if you'll do that, I'll do better. Come on in Jesus' name. If that's you right now, Adam, sing something for me. Lord, I need you. Thank you for moving right now. Just obey the Lord. Lord come on, saints of God. If some of you, you want to come and pray for some of these. That's all right. Just Lord, come on. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I need you. Thank you, Lord. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. And the Lord heard my cry. When the earth with her bars was wrapped about me forever, and my soul had fainted within me, and I sunk into the deep, I looked again to his holy hill, and he heard my cry. And he brought me up out of death. He brought me out of a horrible pit. God, in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, touch my sister.